footprints in the woods, shaky film footage, hundreds of reported encounters, this cryptid has roamed the forests of the Pacific Northwest for decades. Even with new evidence, scientific explanations, and reports from the FBI to the contrary, those who believe in his existence are absolutely convinced he is real. Does this beast truly walk among us, or is it just a tall and hairy tale? This week's episode is Bigfoot. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. I believe you have the Bigfoot. Um, there it is. <laughs> hey, it comes you in handy at finally. At the helm. We have the emergency Bigfoot. It's a howl, snort, roar, or groan. Nice. Yes, I got this little sound effects machine a long time ago, and we have not recorded together since March, so I haven't seen it. And uh, you read my Keep mind. It. You had it at the at the ready. I keep it right by the mixer just in case we're on an episode and you're like, we need a Bigfoot sound. We haven't yet, but in case we do, we can have him snort. That would 1,000% sounds like pedal. It probably That is a pedal sound effects machine. <laughs> well, yeah, of all episodes, this is the episode to bust it out. Uh, this was so fun to research because you... There's nothing funner than a person who just ardently believes something despite <laughs> everything. Yeah. And this, the one scientist that we'll talk about who's written book after book and on, oh, I dug deep into the Bigfoot forums. Yeah, there, there's oh, a lot of them. <laughs> oh, there's man. There's a lot of them. And his book is the one that when someone, people go on and like troll these Bigfoot forums and say, you, you're stupid. This doesn't make sense. Like, blah, blah, blah. People take photos out of this, like, one tome that's, like, the supposed scientific be-all and are like, really? Because check out this book. Yeah. I mean, Which... they're, like, flat earthers or anything. Oh, yeah. Like, you can present, or President Trump, you can present, like, all the evidence you want. And they're like, nah, that's not right. You're, nope. you're wrong. You're just flat out I don't out believe wrong. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So th- it's so bizarre to me that they're, uh, they... Well, people get on there to fight them. I'm like, just leave them alone. And it's like Bigfoot. Let them be in their habitat. Let them be naturally where they're meant to be. And don't get on there and rile them up for no reason. I uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of fun to to poke the bear or the Bigfoot, if you will, uh. this, in this case. It's just I one thing that struck me when researching this was I don't understand why people are obsessed in the way they are. Yeah. I guess I'm like, what does it bring to your life if this is true? I, I wonder if it's for the people who either they've had an encounter or a family member's had an encounter that it means that they're like, you have that feeling of I'm not crazy. I swear this happened. And it that you're looking for that final vindication, and maybe others are just enthusiasts, <laughs> <laughs> and you refuse to believe it's a bear. 
yes, straight up the, refuse the big thing. to believe it's a bear. Because with aliens, I totally understand. Like, if we found out there was life on other planets, that's, to me, opens up just a world of possibilities and, and things. Like, not just um, socially, but scientifically and everything, too. But I guess I've always just thought, even if there is a Bigfoot, it's just a real creature that has evolved differently. Mm-hmm. And it should just be, it's, I mean, I think that they didn't discover the panda until like the late 1800s. So to maybe there was a myth of there's a bear and it's part black, it's part white. It makes this noise. It eats bamboo. And everyone's like, yeah, right. Crazy. Whatever. Also, and then pandas when you- just look like someone in a panda suit rolling around. <laughs> they, they look like people or wearing like, a suit. Yeah. Like animatronic, like yes. at a showbiz <laughs> where they played the drums. But they didn't discover that till later, so maybe we're on the the cusp of discovering something new. But like you said, that just means there's a new animal, and we yeah. should all, con- yeah, you know, conserve it, donate money, you know, make sure it's protected. But it's kind of the uh, same thing know. with Nessie. Yeah, like even I mean, I I guess, um, I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm not a cryptid enthusiast, I suppose. <laughs> like <laughs> like like others to where I can just really. Um, get like obsessed over or i think that they're fun but that's um i i'm like would it really change my life if it we learned that bigfoot like i i, I don't know i don't know unless yeah, I mean, he's like in harry and the hendersons then that would <laughs> well, change my life every time I, t- I have to kill kick the every time i have to kick the dogs out of here to record i feel like harry and the hendersons like get out of here no one oh, wants that's you that's such a sad get scene oh I love that movie though. John Lithgow. Oh, he was he's the best. Love him. He should have gotten an Oscar for Harry. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. There's several things. He was great on Third Rock from the Sun. He's great mm-hmm. on Dexter. I know I'm Shrek. missing a ton of things. Shrek, yes, he was very funny in Shrek. He has one of my favorite lines in Shrek when he's Which uh is? interrogating the gingerbread man. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good scene. Yeah. Oh, he's fun. So good. So yeah, I think that's I think you're right. It's if it's out there and it's sentient and it needs, you know, interaction, then we should be on the lookout because maybe it's lonely out there. Yeah, but... and maybe don't hunt it. Just yeah, it let it bad. do its thing. All these people want to kill it to prove it's alive. Just take a picture. We all have Set. cell phones these days. That can, yeah, snap a pic. Or uh, what do you call it? Little GoPros. Go stick some GoPros yeah. in some trees and get some photos and just leave them alone. Don't kill it. Mm-mm. Well, yes, this should be a fun one after so many murders that we've discussed lately. Yeah, we had, to, last, had to break it last up. Last couple weeks. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. When journalist Andrew Gonzoli of the Humboldt Times printed a story in 1958 about some 16-inch bizarre animal-like footprints being discovered by local loggers, He never imagined the curiosity, fascination, and obsession that would follow for decades to come. In fact, Gonzoli thought the discovery to be lighthearted, even joking in his article. Maybe we have a relative of the abominable snowman in the Himalayans. But those that had been following the developing story out of Northern California weren't laughing at all. They were puzzled and frightened, having never seen anything like the giant man-like prince before. Not knowing what type of animal could have produced such large prints, the loggers who discovered them aptly began calling the creature responsible for them Bigfoot. 
That's a good, I mean, it's a great moniker to just come up with. It's descriptive, short. Yep, to the it point. Sounds, yeah, sounds good on a t-shirt. <laughs> a few years earlier, in 1955, Canadian William Rowe encountered an animal that many believe could have been responsible for the tracks made 600 miles south three years later. Rowe referred to the beast by the name Sasquatch and later signed an affidavit swearing to what happened. Outside a small town in British Columbia, Rowe was out on a hike. From a peak, he spotted what he initially thought to be a man, but upon closer inspection, was something unbelievable. The beast was about six feet tall, almost three feet wide, and probably weighed somewhere near 300 pounds. Rowe described it as, Covered from head to toe with dark brown silver-tipped hair, I saw by its breast that it was a female. Although Rowe planned to shoot the creature, it got away but not before making a whinny sound that Roe described as half laugh, half language. Again, why you got to shoot it? Just let it That's do its thing. <laughs> right after this, they all decided they were going to go out and have a, Sas- uh, a Sasquatch hunt. And then annually people would go out and hunt oh, it. Yeah. Why you- it's laughing and speaking a language. It, wants, not- it just let it live its life. She's you- walking around tits out in the forest <laughs> you know thinking no one's watching. She, How freeing that must be. Just be, I mean, I would love to be out in the wilderness by myself and be able to just walk around naked as the day I was born without Mm -hmm. feeling like I was being watched or I was about to be shot at. Yeah, you think you could just enjoy a spring, enjoy, you know, the waters or whatever, roll around in a brook or something. But no, there's some guy up on Mm -hmm. a peak like, I'm going to shoot it. Yeah. While stories of a large ape-like creature known as Sasquatch can be traced back to as early as 1884 in Western Canada, Joshua Blue Booz, author of Bigfoot, The Life and Times of a Legend, told History.com that the Humboldt article was when Bigfoot first became widely popular in the United States. People later go back and dig through old newspapers and stuff and find scattered reports of a wild man here, a wild man there, but it doesn't coalesce into a general discussion until the 50s. Soon, the legend of a giant man-sized beast roaming the woods of Northern California took off. Before long, the legend had spread to other parts of the country. Joshua Blue Buse is only the first of many people who've written volumes Volumes. About creature. Volumes. That's what I'm... I mean, find what you love and dig in, I suppose. <laughs> Do it on purpose. At some point... I think you run out of information. Well, and I was also thinking, because you've always mentioned how you find people who collect a lot of the same thing to be unsettling. I do, I do. If you've ever seen Roger Stone's office, it's just all the Nixon stuff. I guarantee all these Bigfoot oh, people yeah. have, I mean, just it's, wall-to-wall, yes. floor-to-ceiling knickknacks, prints. Anything they have ever found that is Bigfoot-related, they have purchased and is in their home. Mm-hmm. Or someone has purchased yes. for them for yeah. a gift, birthday, graduation, Christmas. Yeah. 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 I always, I do find, I think with anything, collections, um, animals, anything, once you get to the tipping point of this is too many, it becomes <laughs> creepy. And I mean, like puppies are cute, but 50 puppies in one room is too many puppies. That's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a precious moment figurine or two or three is fine. Walls of cabinets. Yes, the person just like that, 20 figurines <laughs> that deep you that, that I once saw. That's too many. Also, I always think one day you will die 
And who is yes. going to have to take care of all of this? Who is going to have to sort through thousands upon thousands of Bigfoot memorabilia and then do yes. what with it? They're going to feel guilty because they don't want to throw it out because you were so passionate about it. But also, mm-hmm. you can't take that into your own home. No, because then you then it's just going to pile on because then you have all that. And before you can explain, I inherited right. this from my uncle. People are going to give you more shit and it's just going to it's. And then by the time your great grandkids get it, they're overrun. And that's I how you, you have, die. You die under a pile of the shit you <laughs> inherited from, of, of, from a relative that you didn't even want in the first place. <laughs> it's like Bigfoot ashtrays and Bigfoot <laughs> figurines. Yeah, I wonder. I guess you'd have to really lean into it and have an estate sale because if you just said estate sale, and people showed up, and all it was was Bigfoot stuff, they would probably call the police. But if you said, Bigfoot blowout, yes. this house, then I think you're attracting the right you're crowd. You're getting a different crowd, but the right crowd. That's and, right. yeah, people are there like 4 a.m. It's like Black Friday to get <laughs> all waiting. that Bigfoot stuff. And they, it would be, it'd go fast, though. But that's probably what you'd have to do. You'd pick a few items that reminded you of your loved one that maybe were their favorites. You keep those as sentimental Mm -hmm. value. And then you got to just purge purge the rest. Purge the Bigfoot. To anyone listening that is in this situation, Bigfoot (laughs) or some other collection, just you have permission to, Mm -hmm. to purge if you need to purge. My grandmother used to say it's just stuff because mm-hmm. I think you get to where you hold on to stuff and go, well, this table was Nana's yeah. and it doesn't fit anything and it's like old and decrepit, but I can't get rid of it because it's Nana's table. Like Nana's gone and Nana's spirit lives on through you and it's not in and that maybe table. that table, depending on if it's haunted or not. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, <laughs> I get it. I've got Sage it. Sage a ton of stuff from of my dad's that I'm like, I'm just not, even though it's been uh, five, six years, like. You just don't want to get rid of it. I'm sure you are the same, too, With mm-hmm. if you have your dad's stuff. But you have to go, and if you need to go in stages, like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. okay now getting rid of this. I wasn't last year, but now I am. Then that's fine, too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like la- layers of acceptance. Yes. Like you say, okay, layers I can of being able to let go. go. Yeah. But I'll to tell you right now, if any of my relatives die and I find out that they had a Precious Moments collection that they have willed to me. Mm-mm. Anyone is welcome to them. I will put them There's out on the front lawn. I'm trying to think of. I knew somebody else that their grandmother owned something like 350 nutcrackers. And oh, that's just Jesus like, Christ! And they kept them in the they kept them in the attic, and then every year they'd bring them out, For and they Christmas? were in all these plastic boxes, and set them out all over Christmas. And it's like that's a fun, whimsical thing that you got going on, Grandma. But like you said, when you die, <laughs> we're gonna have to dig through those nutcrackers. <laughs> And that's discern, so discern many nutcrackers. How would you even fit those in your house? Just everywhere. On the floor, on the table. Everywhere. Yeah. 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 Pick a couple and purge the rest. Well, those that claim to have laid eyes on Bigfoot tend to paint him in the same light. Typically, he stands between six and nine feet tall, is covered in dark hair, and emanates a foul, beastly smell. Discoveries of his gargantuan footprints, for which he is named, have been measured as long as 24 inches and as wide as 8 inches. And while some of the prints appear to have five toes, similar to a human, others have the distinction of claws, resembling more of a bear. Two-foot long foot, six feet tall. Yeah, the feet, and, and I've read from several scientists that the feet grow exponentially faster on the Bigfoot than its actual body. So they're disproportionate. Because... I know people, I know a lot of people that are six feet tall. They don't have Mm -hmm. two feet long feet. 
No, they probably have. What I mean, it's like the human foot shoe size kind of roughly correlates to inches, right? Ish. I'm five eight and I wear a size nine shoe. Yeah, I'm five four and I wear a size eight and a half. So about. I mean, I just mean like if you wear a nine, it's like about nine inches long. You know, your foot maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's why they have those things at the shoe store with the metal. <laughs> yeah, or the little the mats thing. that you have but to stand But my cousin on. is seven foot tall, and I think he wears like, I don't know, probably like a 16. He has to get his Nike special order. Oh, sure. But you can imagine, though, if you see the the, t- the height aside, it's the covered in dark hair. And if you're close enough, the foul odor. But I think it's the covered in hair that you're not used to seeing something that shape, figure, walking. And I think that's what people just get so attached to something that looks different you know because you're like i know what a bear looks like i've seen a bear at a zoo or if you're in a wildlife preserve or whatever Mm -hmm. but i think this the height mixed with the hair and people are like no it's something else look at its feet arguably one of the most compelling convincing and controversial pieces of evidence that bigfoot walks among us is the 1967 amateur video commonly referred to as the patterson gimlin film The film, released by Roger Patterson and Robert Giblin, shows eye-popping footage of Bigfoot in action. On the fateful day he allegedly had an encounter with a legendary beast, Patterson, a rodeo cowboy, rode his horse into Six Rivers National Forest, not far from where the loggers in 1958 had discovered the massive tracks. He hopped off his horse with his portable camera in time to capture an ape-like hybrid creature strolling through a break in the woods. At one point, The beast, affectionately known as Patty, looks directly at the camera mid-stride, providing a clear look at her impressive physique. This famous shot, known as Frame 352, would become the classic Bigfoot symbol for years to come. After the release of this footage, the public was whipped into a Bigfoot frenzy by the media, who shared clips of the film far and wide. Especially in the shaky version, it looks so legit. I, I... I'm just, I'm a cynic. I've never thought this looked like an actual, to me, it's always looked like a person wearing a, a a costume. I feel like in the shaky version, you're like, oh, that's some type of creature. Watch it move. But then with technology, they've stabilized the frames and, you know, like they've stabilized the shakiness. Mm-hmm. In which case it's sort of, yes, it does look like a person <laughs> doing an ape impression. Shaky like, cam. Kind of- so, I mean, that's why so many horror movies use that too. It is. It throws you off a bit, and it adds mm-hmm. to the creepiness and the effect that you're trying to go for and everything. Excited. I like that she's known as Patty. That's a great name. It's it's interesting that Bigfoot, that they would name Patty. I would go with like a B name. Oh, like Betty? Betty, Bernadette, something. Yeah, that's, Bigfoot and Bernie. Yeah, that's like Bigfooty. But um, She's her own person. <laughs> she is. She is. She's not going to be pigeonholed. <laughs> No, she's her own Bigfoot. It is definitely the iconic symbol. If you think, if you conjure Bigfoot in your mind, you immediately think of that picture and it's on a million t-shirts, posters and everything where, yeah, it's kind of mid-stride, turn facing forward to the camera, just staring dead on. It's good. It's like a model like coy over the shoulder. <laughs> it is. Hey. Hey, <laughs> I see you there. Keep looking. However, we'll take a picture. even though they deemed her female, I don't see any Bigfoot titties. Ooh. She didn't have and any. William, William Rowe alleged that he and another guy who saw him said that the females have hooters. Big so. old hoots. Yeah. So, so who knows? Maybe she's just 
not she's just a little you know flatter. what yeah, who am i to judge that's true yeah that's Let's true. not body shame patty maybe she what had on um i don't know whatever oh. big feet swear when they go out in the wild someone said they saw six to seven bigfoots i'm like isn't it big feet big feet <laughs> but you know uh perhaps she was going somewhere and she had on a, a, some type of covering as we all she do when we leave the house tied up mm-hmm. she had a bro a man's ear <laughs> in an effort to debunk the film canadian journalist john green met with a disney executive in 1969 to try to determine whether movie magic could have been used to create the footage. According to the book, Sasquatch, Legend Meets Science, the executive, Ken Peterson, had to admit that although Disney was a leader in special effects at the time, they had no sophisticated animatronics that could have explained what was in the film. The only explanation Peterson offered was perhaps it was a man wearing a well-constructed costume. So, I mean, as early as you have Bigfoot footage, you have Bigfoot denier or like truthers like trying to debunk oh it. sure yeah i think Out that's there. with with anything you're immediately going to get people it, it everything becomes a debate immediately <laughs> amongst mm-hmm. humans no one can and ever just is- be like yeah we can't we can we all agree and no one ever argues that bigfoot's a thing and everyone's like yeah we'll agree to that that just doesn't happen <laughs> No, never. <laughs> and even this, like people say, oh, he met with Ken Peterson, who said this and this. Everyone goes, Disney didn't know shit about costumes at the time. Disney was all about animation. They were idiots. And it's like, OK, well, you can't say even if you want to say Disney was better at animation. They at the time they had the most money, the most technology, mm-hmm. the most that they had all the Imagineers working for them. So what if you were going to go try to debunk is. it. Oh, I know. Wouldn't that be so fun? Fuck yeah, it'd be amazing. Design all those rides and everything. I knew a girl that had that job, but it was at Universal, and she made Ooh. the Harry Potter in Disney. I was like, in uh, Disneyland in California. I was like, what a job! You get to pick the colors, the schemes, like mm-hmm. pants, sit there and paint, like to make it look like Hogsmeade. Anyway, that's very cool. But yeah, but the, of all people, you're going to ask if you're trying to debunk it. You would. That's who you would go to at the time. Just like maybe now, you may go to. I mean, it would probably still be Disney because they own everybody. Yeah. You know, they own, like, the Star Wars franchise and stuff. But before that, you may have gone to George Lucas and been like, how would you have made this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, again, it's so interesting to me. I've got to look up if there's a documentary that follows people that are so passionate about proving something like this. Like the negative? Like proving yeah, that doesn't people exist? are. Like you said, that people are like, Disney doesn't know shit. This is clearly an actual creature. What possesses you to dig in so hard Mm -hmm. to a belief system like this? Well, it's odd because Ken Peterson said, oh, we couldn't do this. It's real. So all Bigfoot people are like, Disney said that they couldn't even do it. So it's definitely real. But there are people on the message boards that are like, Ken Peterson's a dick. And so (laughs) is Disney. You're like, why do you? He's dead, obviously. I mean, if he was an executive in 1969, he's either dead or very old. And mm-hmm. what it, it, he said a thing 30, 40 years ago, man. Why are you getting fussy yeah, about on it? Either on, side of the, on either side of the yes. argument, it's like, why do you care so much to get into arguments on the internet about this kind of stuff? I don't know. Especially the, the opposite of like debunking it, of being like, it's stupid. You're all wrong. Let the people have their fun. Of all things that you could be gathering on the internet to talk about, this is like the least harmful I've also seen people, though, that believe it that are pretty assy about how they, yeah. uh, you know, try and prove others wrong, too. So 
They're like, actually, science would tell you. And it's like, okay. It's like, well, first of all, science... let's not put Bigfoot and science in the same sentence there. <laughs> oh, they do. Oh, they do. <laughs> well, Green then tracked down Janice Prohaska, the preeminent costume designer and stuntman in Hollywood at the time. Prohaska both designed and performed in costumes for film and TV, including a gorilla-like Mugatu creature featured in an episode of Star Trek. Prohaska studied the film alongside Green and noted that Bigfoot didn't move like a costume at all. Namely because you could see all the muscles on the body. Because of these attributes, Prohaska believes the Patterson-Gimlin film depicted a real creature rather than a man in a costume. Uh, so I watched, I wanted to see what Prohaska's standards were. So I found his Mugatu clip from Star Trek. He beats the shit out of Captain Kirk, first of all, but he's like, it has this, it looks like a character off of Power Rangers where it's got this hunchback, it's white fur, it, his only his arms really move though because of the hunchback. He can't really art, like it's articulate a heavy ass costume to wear. I was very impressed too because he's like jumping down this mountain, like this kind of side of the mountain, chasing after um, Captain Kirk and I think it's Scotty, and he's chasing him and he's able to like move very ape like. But, like, you can still tell it's a person in a costume. Sure. You know? And then I thought, man, in the 60s, people were probably like, oh, damn, look at that thing fighting Captain oh, Kirk. Yeah. And nowadays, you're like, that looks like uh, the Chuck E. Cheese costume if you go take your kid yeah. for their birthday. I think, and then he's by beating I, them. I think that watching old cartoons or any type of old animation with Ella, I'm like, man, this was revolutionary back in the day and now it can't hold her attention because it just looks so different from what they're used to yeah it's just back then that would have been revolutionary but even like like planet of the apes which was around this Mm -hmm. time too you look at that clearly it's just a bunch of people in ape costumes even with planet of the apes that that was at the time because the the rubber of the face moved people lost their minds Mm -hmm. and thought that was just the coolest thing so maybe it's a similar similar costume here for old patty maybe While everything about the film seemed to indicate a real-life Bigfoot had been spotted and documented, two men that claimed to have been in on the hoax shattered the Bigfoot reality in 2004. Bob Hieronymus, a retired man living in Washington State, unburdened his conscience by finally admitting that he played Bigfoot in the infamous Patterson-Gimlin film, telling the Everett Herald, It's time people knew it was a hoax. It's time to let this thing go. I've been burdened with this for 36 years. Seen the film clip on TV numerous times. Somebody is making lots of money off of this, except for me. But that's not the issue. The issue is it is time, finally, to let people know the truth. Bob claims he was promised $1,000 to wear the gorilla suit in the film, but never saw a dime, telling National Geographic, If they would have paid me the $1,000 like they promised, I would have kept my mouth shut. Okay, (laughs) Bob, you're being a bit contradictory, Bob. You just said this isn't about the money, and then you said you would have not put them on blast had you been paid. I owe my thousand bucks, or I'm going to tell everybody. (laughs) I'm going to wait until 2004 and then tell everybody. I mean, when $1,000 back when he won it, I wonder, I don't know what the appreciation of that would be, but it would have been a lot. I mean, it's still a lot now, but it would have been even more back then. Yeah, if you compound the interest, I mean, he, he, I mean, it w- he wouldn't have been the same as if he would got a percentage of using Bigfoot imagery, like I'm sure all the people that own the rights to the film do. Ooh, I wonder if they do. 
I think if it's probably like the clip from that, they probably like the actual imagery from it, you'd have to either have fair use to use it or have to get their permission. I believe it's Patterson that died in 1972. I'm not sure if the other one is still alive or not. Gimlin is, yeah, Gimlin's still Gimlin's alive. Gimlin's still alive. Or was as of 2004. I wonder how many letters Bob sent to them saying, Where? <laughs> I want my thousand dollars. I'm about to talk. If y'all don't give me my thousand dollars, <laughs> and they just kept brushing him off. He signs them all Bigfoot though, and so they got really confused. <laughs> the following year, Bob went so far as to take a lie detector test on national TV to further prove he was telling the truth. Hooked up to the wires, Bob was asked, "Were you the Bigfoot shown in the 1967 Patterson film?" To which Bob replied, "Yes." Costume designer Philip Morris also publicly stated that he was the one to sell Patterson the ape suit Bob donned in the infamous video. According to the Everett Herald, paranormal investigator Greg Lone spoke with Morris, who confirmed he sold the famous creation to the filmmakers for $435. Well, yeah, you spent $435 on the suit. You can't go paying Bob no. Hieronymus $1,000. You've, you've blown your whole load on, on that suit. <laughs> also, lesson to Hieronymus, get paid up front. Mm-hmm. Yes. Despite these confessions, co-creator Bob Gimlin stands firm that the film was 100% real. His lawyer, Tom Malone, told the Everett Herald, I'm authorized to tell you that nobody wore a gorilla suit or monkey suit and that Mr. Gimlin's position is it's absolutely false and untrue. Many Bigfoot believers also refuse to accept the debunking, claiming the film is the most credible evidence that Bigfoot does exist. What a fun lawyer to be the lawyer of the Bigfoot guy. <laughs> we would like to respond to this false accusation that yeah. Bigfoot is fake. Yeah, again, I mean, I guess at some point, you well, these guys have remained dug in. One of them has passed. Gimlin is still alive. Unless we get a deathbed confession, it seems like he's adamant that no, this was real. But a lot of the research I did were people in modern times that claim they shot a Bigfoot or they found one and everything and people and they dug in for years. One guy took a Bigfoot body on tour for a year and had people pay to come see it, made like $60,000 and then afterwards was like, yeah, it was all fake. Dude, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> and of course then it was. went and then did it again. The, well, the, the tour was the second time. The first time he said, he shot a Bigfoot body, a, a Bigfoot body. He had a Bigfoot body in his possession. He was getting DNA tests done on it. Everyone kept saying, we want to see the results. He refused to release the results. Mm-hmm. And then about after a year, he came out saying, nah, it was all fake. But then the following year, the same guy said, okay, this time I really did shoot one. And I'm going to take it on tour. And people still bought it. It's like, one... I mean, kudos to you for being like, I twi I'm going to do this twice. I can fool these people twice. Back to the well. Back to the well. <laughs> but God. so many times people just dig in for years that this is, no, uh, this is 100% real. And then eventually, I don't know if it's their conscience or they just get tired of the ruse. They're like, yeah, you're right. It was all fake. I think they think, oh, I'm going to be famous. It's going to be great. I'm going to tell everybody I shot a Bigfoot. And then you get letters 
people showing up to your house. You're at the grocery store. And finally, you're like, you know what? It was fucking fake. Leave me alone. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this anymore. So they crack after a while. But I will, that's a mad respect for that guy doing the double double duty on that. <laughs> Do you think that it was the same crowd of people coming to the tour as was the first time? You know I what I mean? I think there like, was a lot of crossover. In that Venn diagram, there's a lot of crossover. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> Who's willing to be scammed twice? I think it becomes bigger than you. Like you said, like, you're like, oh, this will be fun. I might make some money, blah, blah, blah. But then it becomes like, because these people are obsessed, they Mm -hmm. won't let it go. And they want definitive proof. So at some point, you got to pull a God salvation church. Just be like, (laughs) you know what? I was wrong. Peace out. And you just walk back and shut it down. (laughs) Shut all this down. That's all you can do. Estate sale. Bigfoot estate sale. (laughs) Shut it down. Yeah. According to author and Bigfoot expert Michael McLeod, following the Patterson-Gimlin film, the Bigfoot debate reached its peak in the 1970s. Documentaries and articles began to paint him as more of a monster, with some even calling him a sexual predator, according to History.com. By the next decade, however, films like Harry and the Hendersons touted him as an environmentalist and a misunderstood creature looking for friendship and acceptance. Harry and the Hendersons is a lot different movie if Bigfoot's a sex predator. (laughs) somebody needs to do you know how they'll take oh i think they've done it with frozen recently and they'll do the trailer but they put like horror music Mm, underneath mm -hmm. and so it just totally changes i love those so much the mary poppins one's really good. yes yeah those are so fun somebody needs to do that with harry and the hendersons (laughs) but clip it together as if he's a sexual predator I love recut movie trailers. That's an art form. It when is. They take, it is. The best one is 10 Things I Hate About the Commandments, and they take the Ten Commandments and make it like a wacky high school. That's fun. Like, 10 Things yeah, I Hate About You type movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, the Mary Poppins one. We need Harry and the Hendersons like, he's coming this fall. Yeah. Somebody that is good at that, please do that. I want to see that. And if you just have like the best of those things, shoot us an email because I. I love yeah. watching those. I love a recut trailer. They're so fun. Sinister Hood will be right back. The holidays are here, and what better way to celebrate the ones you love than with a fun and exciting subscription to FabFitFun? It's the only subscription box that delivers full size self care and wellness products straight to your door. And right now, you can receive $10 off your first box by using code CREEPY at FabFitFun.com. The FabFitFun team of experts carefully pick the top trending products for you to choose from so you can personalize your own box of happiness. You can choose up to five products that you know you're going to get and love. Or if you prefer to be totally surprised if that's your thing, the experts will curate a selection of products just for you. One of the things I really love about FabFitFun is that they're passionate about showcasing brands run by amazing women. In fact, this winter box features 16 female-founded brands. Uh, some of my personal faves are the Apare cutting boards. So I'm trying to cut down on my takeout orders, which is a significant amount of my food is takeout, <laughs> uh, which means cooking more. And there's nothing like having something that's washable, safe to use. It's BPA-free. It fits right in the dishwasher. Uh, and more than that, I like to really pamper myself and be kind of cozy and lazy. So when I wake up in the morning, I put on my summer and rose cozy robe, just wake up, have a cup of coffee by my fireplace, grab a book, watch the news, whatever. But it feels like I'm in a robe that I would get on a fancy vacation at like a luxury resort. Nice. You're living a picture perfect world with that. I loved so much about this box, especially the Aaliyah Limitless Lash Mascara. It's made with organic shea butter, so it keeps my lashes amazingly soft. 
but it also lifts, lengthens, and curls them. When I don't do much at home to uh, in the forms of makeup, I think <laughs> if you're only going to put one thing of makeup on, mascara is the way to go. It, opens, it, shows, it shows. Yes, it opens your eyes. It gives you that pop and freshens you up. It's perfect for those Zoom calls where you need to look a little bit put together, but you just don't have it in you to do a full face of makeup. Who does no. these days? I'm also in love with my Kate Spade New York Rise and Shine studs. Both pairs are beautiful. They're gold plated and they add just the right amount of class and sparkle to any outfit. One pair has sweet little pearls and the other are sparkly diamond like stones. They're very understated, so they can be dressed up or down. And both of these products are great at helping you feel put together even when you're quarantining at home. The best part is that the value of the FabFitFun box is unprecedented. You receive over $200 worth of full-size products for just $49.99 a month. So sign up right now and you can snag amazing products like the Kate Spade earrings or the Summer and Rose comfy robe that I like to snuggle in when you choose your customizations. It's the perfect holiday gift because it's a gift that keeps on giving month after month. I, it's Christmas for like however long you want it to be. You just oh, and, when you see that see that box on your porch, you're like, oh, it's it, time. It's very exciting, yes. And you can give that excitement to someone else's holiday season, or you know what, gift it to yourself for some me time in a box. 2020 has been super rough, and we all deserve some pampering and self care right now. So head to FabFitFun.com right now and use coupon code Creepy. For $10 off your first box. The holidays are here and there's no better way to manage the stresses that that inevitably brings than with a CBD routine from Charlotte's Web, the world's most trusted hemp extract. Right now, you can use code CREEPY for 15% off their entire selection of amazing products, excluding bulk products and bundles. You can choose from a selection of topical skincare products, gummies, and traditional oils, all made to support you day-to-day, moment-to-moment. I've tried so many of the Charlotte's Web hemp oils, including my personal fave, the mint chocolate. They are all great. They help you feel calm. They manage your everyday stresses. They would also make the perfect stocking stuffer. If you tied a little cute ribbon around them and just dropped them in somebody's stocking, you are going to be the CBD Santa this year. And that's everyone's favorite Santa. (laughs) Well, I really love the CBD medic eczema therapy medicated ointment. Um, I have eczema. My hands are super dry. They're super itchy. So when I put this on, I feel relief from all of that itching. And it's always so much worse in the winter. And this really, really helps. It also has a very lovely smell. So I'm doing hand sanitizer every five seconds. My hands are all dried out. This is the perfect thing to put back on to help with all my eczema spots. And the best part is all Charlotte's Web products are free of eight major allergens. They're not tested on animals. They're gluten-free. And their topical products are formulated without synthetic fragrances, artificial colors, or dyes, sulfates, or GMOs. Speaking of animals, Charlotte's Web offers products to support your pets. Guys, Kate and Biddy at this point, (laughs) I haven't seen them for days. I'm not sure where they are. Uh, (laughs) Rumor has it, though, that they are the first dogs to go to space. That's where they are. They, That's... I think they're up at the space station right now. Yeah, if you check that at ISS on Instagram, they were taking selfies, doing live updates on stories. Wow. So they're doing well. They're See, doing well up I, there. I, I got to get back on Instagram just so I know where my <laughs> super smart dogs are, that all of their genius uh, activities can now be attributed to the CBD chews for senior dogs, which are designed to enhance their brain function and support their central nervous system. Just make sure you kiss them goodbye because they're going to go and live a better life without you. That's true. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If you're looking for a great gift for yourself, friends, families, or even your pets this holiday season, try the world's most trusted hemp extract by going to charlottesweb.com and entering code CREEPY for 15% off. 
2002, Bigfoot enthusiasts far and wide were dealt a blow when a Northern California man named Michael Wallace discovered something interesting that belonged to his recently departed father, Ray Wallace, the man in charge of the Humboldt County construction site where the first famous prints were found. Michael showed his dad's custom-made wooden Bigfoot molds to National Geographic and admitted outright his dad made it all up, saying, This is uh, what they used to do the pranks. Michael confirmed that his father performed his hoax across the country, sometimes traveling many miles from his own home to make the prints. Do you think when he found him, he was like, oh, Dad, or he was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> would you be shocked? Or would you be like, oh, yeah, of course it was. Of course. I imagine that they knew. You think? I think yeah, that they true. probably knew because it sounds like they, um, the dad wasn't super concerned with keeping it a huge secret. He just thought it was kind of a fun thing to do. <laughs> He's like traveling across the country and she's like, Honey, where have you been? He's like, leave me alone, Sheila. Damn it, you don't understand. Yeah. Like, Are you cheating on me? Maybe I am. Maybe I am Sheila. Like, he's, if you're traveling, you have to tell your wife, okay, I'm taking the feet out for a spin. Otherwise, it's you have to really explain yourself to your wife while you're gone yeah. for weeks at a time. Or you pull a sun gym game and you're like, all right, I'll level with you. I work for the CIA. Okay. <laughs> These feet are registered as deadly weapons. <laughs> I, I'd like to think that he took his kids along at times. That'd be fun. And they, were yeah. part of, they were part of it and everything. I just wonder how you really like the logistics of moving the feet. I mean, we'll get there, but I, I, I'm i such a klutz. I don't think I could do this. <laughs> yeah. It'd it would be, just be my be feet. Like, What's wrong with this Bigfoot? One <laughs> so foot. It, first of all, there's just one. This one looks like it fell <laughs> over. And this now there's just a wooden foot broken off in the ground. To pull off the masterful prank, Wallace commissioned a friend to carve the large wooden feet. Another friend then drove him through the campsite, while Wallace pressed the feet into the ground, the car providing the illusion of a wide stride in the animal's gait. However, despite the planning, Ray Wallace assured the New York Times, This wasn't a well-planned plot or anything. It's weird because it was just a joke and then it took on such a life of its own that even now we can't stop it. Again, it's like, they're admitting this was all a joke, but people have become so attached to it and it's, it's such part of their belief system for so long that I guess if you at that point say, oh, I guess we were wrong, it physically pains you yeah, to admit yeah. that like something that you were so dead on about for so long, it, I mean, nobody likes to be say they're wrong, but I, I imagine it's like, you're also relinquishing part of like um, who you are. You're like, I've dedicated <laughs> my life to nothing. Yeah. It was all an old man's trick with his wooden feet. But I, that's true. But I also, I'm still, you know me, I've like hold out hope that even if Ray Wallace is putting feet out there, what if, you know, there still isn't wood ape? There could be. Yeah. It's just not these instances weren't the wood ape. No, but these people... The humble prince, people still it, refuse to believe that they were fake. Even though, yeah, even though them, they've yeah. come out and said it. Despite this admission that it was all a hoax, many Bigfoot enthusiasts refused to let go of their beliefs. Portland zoologist Dr. Wolf Henner Fahrenbach told the New York Times, All it means is that Ray Wallace is dead, not Bigfoot. 
Dr. Fehrenbach has even made it his mission to prove the existence of Bigfoot, primarily through hair samples he has collected. So far, the DNA results have yet to come back in his favor. He has, however, calculated that the average size of the actual foot of Bigfoot is an impressive 15.6 inches, and that an adult Bigfoot can weigh up to 2,000 pounds. If your name is Wolf, you got to become a zoologist. <laughs> That's uh, 2,000 pounds is a lot more than the 300 pounds that everyone yeah, initially is, thought. And this is another person who's like, I have done my scientific calculations and I have decided <laughs> it's 2,000 pounds. And how, though? I think even at nine yeah. feet. Yeah, that's what I'm that's saying. That's a lot. I, I think you'd topple over. Yeah, that's too much. If you're walking upright, if you're on all fours, that's one thing because you can kind of like you got to bend. Balance. Yeah, but walking upright with 2,000 pounds at seven feet tall, I mean, any TLC show will tell you that's not going to happen. <laughs> Impossible. I want, yeah, unless maybe he's taking these footprints, which now we know Ray Wallace did with a piece of wood and like measuring down in them and saying like, oh, based on how deep it goes in the woods like or into the mud. The displacement means you would have to weigh 2,000 pounds, which if you're driving by in a car, mashing it down, that may not be. I don't know. It also seems like you couldn't run very fast if you weighed 2,000 pounds. Unless you were very strong. I think you wouldn't even be able to really move. You'd just sit around. Somebody would have to carry you everywhere, push you on something. I feel like it would thunder. Like it would be so loud. Yes. Yeah. That's a good point, too. We're poking a lot of holes in old Fahrenbach theory here. (laughs) As for spotting the creature himself, Fehrenbach hasn't been so lucky. However, he is certain he has been close, telling the New York Times, I've gotten close enough to smell him, while visiting the North Cascades of Washington. Well, if you're close enough to smell him, you should be close enough to see him, especially if he weighs 2,000 pounds. If he's that huge, I think you can't have it both ways. No, you can't, Fehrenbach. Either... You smelt it and dealt it. (laughs) Or you were never that close. Mm -hmm. Another doctor that is certain of the hairy man-ape's existence is Dr. Matthew Johnson, a clinical psychologist from Grant Pass, Oregon. Johnson was out hiking with his family in the Oregon Caves National Monument when he claims he stared Sasquatch dead in the eyes. Johnson was so sure of what he saw that he reported the sighting to the National Park Service. He told the New York Times... Ray Wallace may indeed have hoaxed his own tracks, but I can guarantee you that Ray Wallace was not out walking around in a nine-foot Bigfoot suit in the Oregon Caves at the age of 82. What I saw was real. So real was the encounter for the doctor that it led him to become the president of the Southern Oregon Bigfoot Society, where he leads tracking expeditions for other Bigfoot truthers. I'm telling you, I think it's these encounters and people are like, I'm not crazy, I swear. What I don't get is, why does he think that it would have had to have been Ray Wallace out there? <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody was thinking it was. Yeah. It could have been anybody in a in an ape suit. What if, you know, like with the killer clowns, we determined that most of it was teenagers and their tomfoolery. If this is, there just is where you have the Southern Oregon Bigfoot Society who's out hunting Bigfoot. You also have the Southern Oregon Bigfoot Impersonator Society yeah. who's out <laughs> Okay, what day are you going to go to what forest? I don't want to overlap. We don't want to have too many of us in one right? place at one time. So it doesn't have to be Ray Wallace. It could be any sure, number of people. Sure, absolutely. But I like that that's his, like, there's no way an 82-year-old <laughs> man was out there. I know what I saw. But like, I think yeah, he, we're not going to argue with you on that one. I don't think it was either. None of us said it was. But I think he, you know, you're a doctor, a, a clinical psychologist. You're a professional. 
whatever, and then you start spouting stuff off about Bigfoot, it's almost like when, you know, we talked about Travis Walton, people can say they get sucked up in the the alien ships Mm -hmm. that you start to like lose credibility or people start to question you. But if you dig in and you become, you're like, I'm not just some wild person. I'm the president of the society. (laughs) Can you lend a little bit more credence to yourself? (laughs) I also think it's a dangerous game if you are dressing up as a Bigfoot and going out trying to pull one over on people because that's how you get shot. And yes, drug into people. somebody's garage and tested on or probed yes. or whatever they they want to they want to haunt you. Yeah. Despite the debunkings of the Patterson Gimlin film and the Humboldt County prints, the legend of Bigfoot persists to this day, with hundreds of sightings being reported, about a third of which have been in and around California and the Pacific Northwest. In 2007, Bigfoot enthusiasts were encouraged once again when photos of what appeared to be a juvenile Bigfoot were released by the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. However, the Pennsylvania Game Commission denounced the photos, saying it was simply a bear with mange. Still, believers point to the fact that the image shows the animal's arms hanging down by its side, something more characteristic of a chimpanzee than a bear. This photo is, it, it's if it's a bear, it's a very sick Bear. It does. Uh, it, it the arms do look longer than that of a normal bear, but I've also never seen a bear with mange. I've seen mm-hmm. dogs with mange, and they can often look not even like a dog if it's yeah. if it's significant and everything. So if all that hair is like matted down and it is really sick, maybe a bear's arms really are kind of that long, but we're just used to seeing them so fluffy that we don't really, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't look like that. But Or like so skinny. And it normally, I guess, maybe with like meat on their arms, it's like up a little bit more, mm-hmm. but these are like dangling down yeah. by the side. It looks like with a little bit of fur on it, a golem. It's kind of like, like it's <laughs> hunkered over and Well, that's what over it is. Shoulder. It's not Bigfoot. It's just a hairy golem that's a tormenting people of the Pacific Northwest. In late June of 2009, a 19-year-old college student was driving on a back road near Rhinebeck, New York, when he swerved to avoid a small grocery bag in the road, oddly containing an open cereal box and a small log. When the student glanced back in his rear view, he saw a large creature, standing about seven to seven and a half feet tall, running behind his car to retrieve the bag and its contents. The unexplained beast's muscular body was covered in black hair, and according to the driver, had arms that swung in an exaggerated fashion, according to Animal Planet's Finding Bigfoot. He's trying to go after his crunch berries. (laughs) This I love because this means Bigfoot decided to go into town because he needed some some supplies. Mm -hmm. Those supplies were a box of his favorite cereal and a small log. Even (laughs) though he lives in the forest where logs, you would think, are plentiful. He needed like one of those those fire starter logs. Yes, the starter log <laughs> that with the gold wrapping that sets on fire. Yes, easily. it smells good. It was cinnamony. He he was he was trying to set a mood and everything. And for then Patty, he dropped it for Patty. He dropped it on the street because he's probably been there trying to eat and walk at the same time, and <laughs> shit just falls out of your arms. Then this guy comes driving along. Man, this was. He's like, I just wanted to go get my cereal and my log, and now I've got a whole situation on my hands. He sees his uh, cereal in the road. This is the Bigfoot groan sound. (laughs) He 
He's so sad about it. Aw, so oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you you know what? That feeling when you drop a whole box of cereal or something. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've all been there. Bigfoot. Absolutely. In Florida, Bigfoot goes by the moniker Skunk Ape, referring to the awful smell he has adopted from hanging out in the murky swamps. As seen on Finding Bigfoot, a fishing guide and his clients spotted a skunk ape in the flesh one early May morning in 2011. Thinking the creature was at first a feral hog, the group realized it was something far less common as their boat approached the sandy shore where the animal was searching for food. Recalling the sighting to Animal Planet, the fishing guide said the skunk ape was as wide as a side-by-side refrigerator with a muscular torso, a ZZ top beard, and a hairless forehead. Not one for pleasantries, the skunk ape retreated into the mangroves after 15 or so seconds, making a a guttural harumph or snort as he left. Well, a ZZ top beard. <laughs> that sounds like a person that could live in the swamps. Here's the deal. I lived in Florida. I'm not trying to stereotype. But even though these people are from Louisiana, we've all seen Duck Dynasty, right? <laughs> like... There's, if you think of a swamp person, you're probably going to conjure up a certain, this could just be a person that lives in the swamps of Florida. And there was looking for food, clamming or whatever yeah, on the looking shores. for some shrimp or some crawfish or something out on the beach, just trying to do his thing. And then we got these guys. I would also be like, huh, a guttural harump for snort. Ugh. Also, harump is such a great word. It's, it's We so should good. all use that more. And they're like, well, if it was not a man, why wasn't it wearing clothes? Have you ever met a swamp person? Sometimes they're, <laughs> they just walk around in the nude. They have that rat. That's their beach. That's true. I don't yeah. have to put on tidy whities to look at for clams on my own beach. It's just like Patty. She thought she was alone going, doing her thing out in the wilderness, trying to become one with nature. Mm-hmm. We're the intruders here. Yes. Nosy ass people mm-hmm. hollering. Pointing guns, pointing cameras, leave these nudists alone. <laughs> and in 2017, a California farmer identified by the UK's Sun magazine only as Keith allegedly saw a family of five or six Bigfoots running from his property near Avocado Lake, one with a stolen pig thrown over its shoulder. Yeah, he was very disturbed by this Bigfoot encounter. Well, because you're you like five outnumbered. or six of them, that's too many. Yeah, they're outnumbering you, and they stole your pig. That means, and there's five or six, they're breeding. There's Mm. more of them to come. Yeah. Would like to live near Avocado Lake, though, as Mm. avocados, oh, couldn't love them more. I wonder if it's just the lake is shaped like an avocado, or it's a magic lake, and you can just stick your hand in and pull out a perfectly ripe avocado at any time. Any time. Or it has a big nut in the middle. I don't know. That's true. <laughs> yeah, where everyone goes to hang out. It's like a fun island where the Bigfoots live. Mm-hmm. While the rash of Bigfoot sightings continue, skeptics claim there is a simple explanation. According to infographics, when all West Coast Bigfoot sightings are plotted on a map, they seem to track the natural range of the American black bear almost exactly. Could these sightings have all been by mistaken believers who instead saw a bipedal bear? And could the many footprints found over the decades all be man-made hoaxes? There is footage. If you type in bipedal bear, there's normally bears only stand on their hind legs, which I think we talked about this in the Beast of Bray Road episode, yes. that normally for Maybe like so. grabbing and stuff, there are a number of 
videos on the internet of bears running like a man. Yeah. They, <laughs> I mean, if they get threatened and they'll stand up to show their dominance and everything if they feel threatened. And then if you don't back down, they'll come at your ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's bears impressive. are wild, dude. They're, and they look like almost like animatronic. Yeah. Like it, it's ridiculous how they look, especially in these videos where they're running or, and somebody's like, that, that bear's running on two feet. Of course, there's always uh, you know commentary yes, on the videos. of course. So I think when people say, oh, there's no way it could be a bear because bears walk on four legs, most of the time, some of the time, but... And that would explain cases. how, because that's not something that you're used to seeing. So if you do see a bear or something on two, le- two feet in the woods that you're not used to seeing on two feet, you wouldn't think, oh, that's just a bear on two feet mm-hmm. because that's not how you're used to seeing them. But the reality is, like, they do stand up like that. So it would look weird. And bears oftentimes do just look like people wearing bear wearing fur suits. They really do. Yeah. Same with <laughs> pandas. I'm telling you, anything that just has, like, just uh, a huge blanket of fur covering them. It's hard to discern, like, where their <laughs> limbs and joints begin and end. It's And especially if it had something wrong with it, mange, or it's mm-hmm. got some, who knows, there may be some bear disease that we don't know about that makes them run wild on their two feet. That's true. Dr. Jeff Meldrum, an anthropologist and Bigfoot expert, points to two main features of the Bigfoot prints left behind by Patty on the infamous Patterson-Gimlin film that proved they were not man-made hoaxes. First, Meldrum believes that the imprint of the dermal ridges show that the prints were not made by water plaster, but by the friction skin found on humans and other primates. Next, Meldrum points to the mid-tarsal break in the foot, making the prints. These are not seen in humans or fake molds, but in chimpanzees and creatures with similar strides. As to the Patterson-Gimlin film, Meldrum believes the creature's movement is far too ape-like to be a man, and that the musculature shown in the footage could not have been recreated by costume. While Meldrum is confident in his assessment, his controversial beliefs have led to his ostracization from the scientific community. Yeah, he is very, he's one of the people, and also I think most believers point to what they believe to be visible muscles moving on Patty in the film, that it doesn't, Mm -hmm. You know, like if you see somebody, if you look up the Mugatu film off of uh, the Mugatu footage from Star Trek, there's parts where you can tell it's just a costume and it's not really moving. But I think they're thinking it it moves like a, oh, you know, an athlete where you can see every muscle in their body Mm -hmm. moving when they move. So I I don't particularly see that. Do you see that in the... Nah, but I also don't believe in any of this. So I'm not the person (laughs) to ask. But Meldrum, he teaches anthropology and stuff. And he says... Uh, and it reminds me of I've talked before about the soccer coach that like was made us watch JFK films. <laughs> Meldrum will like show these side by side videos of Patty and then Planet of the Apes footage mm-hmm. and um, say like point out all the muscles here. And he says his students will be like, that's a trapezius. But even in the side-by-sides, I'm like, these look the exact same to me. You can see a bit more definition, perhaps, on Patty. But it also could have been a tighter suit, a bigger or person like wearing it. carved rubber, maybe, yeah. with like the hair applied to the rubber. I don't know. But he's also the one that wrote the Bigfoot book that everybody on the internet takes photos of the passages from it and are like oh really this anthropologist would beg to differ from you loser 
being an anthropologist is nothing to to sniff at. So mm-hmm. you get an anthropologist saying these things. That is a lot of clout in your corner. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. his fellow scientists are like, uh, sorry, Jeff, we're going to have to distance ourselves from you. They're like, oh, no, he's going our off own on image. Bigfoot again. Yeah. But to his credit, knowing that this is going to ostracize you from a community and you still want to, you're not going to shy away from what you believe. Good for you. Yeah, stand up for what's right, even <laughs> if you're standing alone. <laughs> Dr. Meldrum and others like him think that Bigfoot is a descendant of the ancient primate, Gigantopithecus, that walked among us just 100,000 years ago. Initially found in Southeast Asia, believers assume the primate, roughly the size of a horse, perhaps made its way into North America before the continents broke up. That's one way to think of it. It's like with Nessie that it's some some thousands and Mm -hmm. thousands of year old creature that just happened to fly under the radar. Yep. In his review of Dr. Meldrum's book, Dr. Matt Cartmill, professor at Boston University and the 2019 recipient of the Charles R. Darwin Lifetime Achievement Award in Biological Anthropology, had a decidedly skeptical take. Dr. Cartmill's analysis concludes that, because of Bigfoot's upright walking style, he is most certainly a hominin, if he exists at all. The Patterson-Gimlin film also shows Bigfoot walking with flexed knees, like a chimpanzee. That characteristic makes it unlikely for Bigfoot to be a Pleistocene-era Gigantopithecus, and more likely, Dr. Cartmill believes, a human in an ape suit. Yeah, his uh, review of Dr. Meldrum's book is scathing. (laughs) Well, to be the recipient of the Charles R. Darwin Lifetime Achievement Award in Biological Anthropology is quite impressive. Oh, he's um, he's pretty—I think he's like a professor emeritus at another college, and he teaches at Boston— and he also, um, he's he's kind of looked to as this, I mean, expert in the field. Although I will say the Darwin Award, usually you hear about that in a different Sure, <laughs> different yes, you do. Light. But yeah, his, it was for, the review was for this scientific publication. And it's just, without being sarcastic and bitchy, it's still a little bit sarcastic. And, you know, it's yeah. very educated and very well written, but it's like, if at all, it possibly, yeah. allegedly... It's it's laid on pretty thick. I think it's hard for a lot of people in the scientific community to take something like this seriously. So when they see one of their peers being so adamant and writing books after books and papers that are trying to prove this, they just think it's just a bunch of ridiculous poppycock. Well, and like you said, saying, I'm an anthropologist and I believe in Bigfoot, he's like, I'm, it's like a dick swinging contest. Well, yeah. I am the Darwin Award winning biological anthropologist, and I'm going to tell you, you're wrong. Yeah. I think he would argue, because you're an anthropologist, you shouldn't believe in Bigfoot. There's a whole world of, I think, academic just pissing matches oh, that yeah. happen. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. In 2019... The FBI released its trove of underwhelming Bigfoot records, disappointing true believers. One such letdown was a hair sample set in by renowned Bigfoot enthusiast Peter Byrne in 1976. Though Byrne was sure it belonged to Bigfoot, the official analysis determined the hair belonged to a creature from the deer family. Wah, wah. Yeah, sorry, buddy. There's a whole, I think they said that after doing something like 90 samples, all of them are attributable to ma- existing known mammals. It's yeah. not like they came back and said, well, it's, we don't know what it could yeah. be. It's like, this is definitely from deer or it's a horse some- or, or a dog. Or a bear or something. Yeah. It's yeah. just 
Maybe it was a type of deer you'd never seen before. Although a deer and a Bigfoot, those seem like they would look significantly <laughs> different. So this must they... have been an odd deer or this dude was having a day. Like a mangy deer? I think, yeah, because a deer is, to me, like shorter hair. And I feel like a Bigfoot's mm-hmm. like more shorn. Like a Bigfoot's uh, more shaggy. Yeah. So yeah. one's like shorn and one's shaggy, but I don't, whatever. Also, deer, I've never seen a deer stand on two legs. Not once. Well, maybe once, maybe if they have to like bow up to a fellow deer or something, they might just do it for a second like a dog would. But I don't think they could run on two legs. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. Well, I think that they, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I've just imagined a deer on two legs. (laughs) It's pretty funny to think of. It could just be that they found tracks and found hair near the tracks and were like, oh, we Uh, think that this hair near the tracks is a Bigfoot. But every time they do that. It's not a big foot. That makes sense. Spoiler, that makes sense. Spoiler alert, it's not a big foot. No. Still, despite the FBI's findings, countless debunkings, and a Bigfoot body or skeleton never being found, faithful believers around the globe remain adamant that Bigfoot exists. Even Michael Wallace, son of Ray Wallace, the man who arguably started the hoax with the man-made 1958 footprints, doesn't necessarily want the magic of Bigfoot to die. Michael told the New York Times... As long as Dad was alive, he was Bigfoot. He may be gone, but I think people should still keep looking. Just like Forrest Finn's treasure. That's true. A and lot that of people gives think the... that that has not been found, and it was all uh, a hoax, and it's still out there, if it ever was out there. Say, or, yeah, it's been found, mm-hmm. a.k.a. I'm going to take this back and divvy it up amongst my family yes, before I Because I, I know that I'm about to pass on to uh, the next realm. Maybe that's the case. Um, but I do like that... His son is not really living the legacy because if he was, he would have kept his damn mouth shut and kept mashing <laughs> right. the feet in the ground, but is encouraging it. Yeah. He, he, I think, like he said, even saying this wasn't real, guys, it's become bigger than them. So, yeah. What do you, what can you do? But just be like, have, have it your way, guys. Have do, fun. Do whatever you'd like. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, um, skeptics, one of the biggest things, that skeptics say, well, why haven't, why hasn't a body ever been found? That's we, a good point. A giant creature like that, you would have found like a skeleton at some point or with people hunting stuff or just dying of natural causes. Like you'd find a body or, or in the, in the woods or something like that. That's also what a lot of believers say is the main thing that they, that has to happen in order to prove the existence is you got to have a body. Oh, like maybe they're slightly okay with hunting because it would finally prove it. I would wonder if the Bigfoots are not so advanced that they bury their dead. Oh, perhaps. Yes. Now we need to look for a Bigfoot graveyard with giant tombstones. (laughs) (laughs) They wrote the wrote the names in. But yeah, I I think that the the body is the sad part because it it would imply that you killed it. You know, any animal being killed for what proof? You know, it's not like, oh, this Bigfoot attacked a family and we had to put yeah. it down. Yeah, it's they're hunting it for sport, kind of, or just for self-satisfaction of like, oh, I was right the whole time. That seems like a shameful way to, you know, it's, it's a sad fate for a beast that did nothing wrong. Absolutely. I agree. So is that, what? what is our official, so what do we think? Well, I mean, I think that it is possible that there is a North American wood ape like creature that has yet to be discovered just because i think it was it's like the gila monster was discovered in recent times and the panda bear there's just 
all the time, scientists are discovering new little creatures that we never knew about before. So in the and it may have been that like maybe in the 50s, 60s and prior, the the wood apes were more around Oregon, Washington, and they may have moved on upward further into more remote parts of Canada that nobody really lives in. So then you don't see them and you maybe don't find their bodies. So I think obviously <laughs> Ray Wallace did the feat. We know that. Mm-hmm. And I think the Patterson Gimlin film was made up. I mean, Bob Hieronymus wore the suit. They know where the suit came from, despite you know people thinking. But I don't think that the falsity of those could definitively prove. But that's the problem with Bigfoot is you can't really prove a negative. There's a whole thought experiment that people talk about of like saying, there's a dragon in the room with me. Okay, well, then you can- why can't I see him? Well, he's invisible. Okay, I'll put powder on the floor and he'll walk through the powder. Well, he flies. Okay, well, if he flies, we'll put a net up. Oh, well, actually, he travels through space. So it's like you can keep making up excuses to try to keep proving the negative, but I think it, there's just no way to know definitively there's not a North American wood ape. Yeah, I think that it could be that people are spotting something that um, maybe isn't super common that we're not as familiar with. I do think because it's been around for so long and we didn't even go into like more of Sasquatch and like um, Native American beliefs of and spottings of it and everything dating back way earlier. I think that uh, just with the amount of people and science and everything, we would have located it by now. But perhaps there's something out there that we aren't as familiar with. I do think that most of these sightings are just people thinking that they see something they don't. Perhaps wanting to believe that they... Because especially if you're out in Oregon where a ton of these sightings are and everything, and you see something weird or you hear something where it's like we talk about all the time, you're like, you're already on kind of Bigfoot alert. And then you see something... a really long howl but like what was that you're out in the forest and it could be a coyote with a cold and it just sounds yeah true yes or just yeah a bear or something like that but you want it to be something else because it's fun you know and i think everybody wants to be someone that discovers like the first thing and for a lot of these people that just are obsessed with it i don't again i gotta look up some documentaries of what drives people like this (laughs) because i think it's fascinating but it might just be it's fun. It's interesting it to is. them. So just like with the what is it? The Lagina brothers hunting their yeah. Oak Island treasure. It's sure. just a passion. You love it, and it it brings you together with your family members. There may be multi generations of Bigfoot. I think they should be called like searchers rather than hunters. It sounds well. Hope that's what what I was about to say is go out and search for it all you want. Just don't mm-hmm. take a gun with the intent to kill it because yeah. one. You might accidentally shoot a person that's trying to pull a prank on you in the woods. <laughs> then but that is a two, whole other situation. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't need to die just for existing, just so you can prove your point. Don't be that don't be that person. So Yeah, your we opinions all have on phones more. now. Just have your phone ready <laughs> right. at the helm. Take a picture. That, that is another good point though. With like back in the sixties you could see that maybe perhaps one guy happened to have a film and that's why you got a photo. But nowadays, like I'm telling you, GoPros in the woods or yeah. motion cameras. They, we got to up our Bigfoot searching game. How is no one, and that's another argument by skeptics, it's like, how have none of these people taken a freaking picture? The mm-hmm. college, you, a college student, you know that kid had his phone in his hand. <laughs> he just turned around and sc- snapped that picture real quick. 
Someone had a, li- a funny license plate the other day, and I scrambled at a red light to get my phone out. I would have been able to scramble at a red light to get my Bigfoot picture. If you saw Bigfoot in the road? Yeah. So, well, if you guys have seen Bigfoot and have documented proof, we would love to see it. Please we send see it evidence. our way. Yes, we <laughs> want to see some evidence. So uh, send us hair samples, send us <laughs> some <laughs> some pictures. If you got a selfie with them. Whatever it may be, send it our way. We love providing sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating this show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Ruling the Airwaves tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including some fun new additions like our weekly wheel, where we spin a wheel of topics and talk about all kinds of things that are suggested by you. They've been super fun, and we've had lots of laughs. So, so uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a fun thing to tune into. You also now have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We'll also be hopping on occasionally and hosting monthly Q&As, where you can ask us all your burning questions. It'll be fun. and We love to talk to you on camera, and you guys can chat us all your questions. It's the best. And even if you're not in the U.S., you can still be a Patreon subscriber, and you now have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Also, annual memberships are available, and by selecting that tier, you are rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon in the top right corner to join today. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. We recently added new tote bags, socks. There's also tons of cozy stuff for the winter, like hoodies and beanies and long sleeve tees. So if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag, like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on shop along the top menu. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at? I'm on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather? I'm on Instagram at Heather versus the world and on Twitter at MCK versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shoutouts. Nikki Higdon. Joanna Salisbury. Tracy Antone, Angelica Espinoza, Tracy Hansen, Lindsay Zimmerman, Coral Pamela Moyet, Bailey Mason, Angela Derendinger, Emily Taylor, Julie Selfridge, Laura Elizabeth, Angelica Ruiz, Laura Young, Anna Schaff. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. We sincerely appreciate it, especially during these trying times. We couldn't do it without you. We love you. We appreciate you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. Sinister. Hood.